section nineteen of the fortunes of nigel by sir walter scott this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter seventeen come hither young one mark me thou art now amongst men a the sword that live by reputation more than by constant income single suited they are i grant you yet each single suit maintains on the rough guess a thousand followers and they be men who hazarding their all needful apparel necessary income and human body and immortal soul do in the very deed but hazard nothing so strictly is that all bound in reversion clothes to the broker income to the usurer and body to disease and soul to the foul fiend who laughs to see soldados and fulados play better than himself his game on earth the mohawks your lordship said reginald lowestoff must be content to exchange your decent and court beseeming rapier which i will retain in safe-keeping for this broadsword with an hundred weight of rusty iron about the hilt and to wear these huge pain slops instead of your civil and moderate hose we allow no cloak for your ruffian always walks in cuerpo and the tarnished doublet of bald velvet with this discoloured embroidery and i grieve to speak it a few stains from the blood of the grape will best suit the garb of a roaring boy i will leave you to change your suit for an instant till i can help to trust you lowestoff retired while slowly and with hesitation nigel obeyed his instructions he felt displeasure and disgust at the scoundrelly disguise which he was under the necessity of assuming but when he considered the bloody consequences which law attached to his rash act of violence the easy and indifferent temper of james the prejudices of his son the overbearing influence of the duke of buckingham which were sure to be thrown into the scale against him and above all when he reflected that he must now look upon the active assiduous and insinuating lord dalgarno as a bitter enemy reason told him he was in a situation of peril which authorized all honest means even the most unseemly in outward appearance to extricate himself from so dangerous a predicament while he was changing his dress and musing on these particulars his friendly host re-entered the sleeping apartment zounds he said my lord it was well you went not straight into that same alsatia of ours at the time you proposed for the hawks have stooped upon it here is jem come back with tidings that he saw pursuivant there with a privy council warrant and half a score of yeomen assistants armed to the teeth and the horn which we heard was sounded to call out the posse of the friars indeed when old duke hildebrod saw that the quest was after some one of whom he knew nothing he permitted out of courtesy the man-catcher to search through his dominions quite certain that they would take little by their motions 
for duke hildebrand is a most judicious potentate go back you bastard and bring us word when all is quiet and who may duke hildebrand be said lord glenvarlock noons my lord said the templar have you lived so long on the town and never heard of the valiant and as wise and politic as valiant duke hildebrand grand protector of the liberties of alsatia i thought the man had never whirled a die but was familiar with his fame yet i have never heard of him master lowstoff said lord glenvarlock or what is the same thing i have paid no attention to aught that may have passed in conversation respecting him why then said lowstoff but first let me have the honour of trusting you now observe i have left several of the points untied of set purpose and if it please you to let a small portion of your shirt be seen betwixt your doublet and the band of your upper stock it will have so much the more rakish effect and will attract you respect in alsatia where linen is something scarce now i tie some of the points carefully asquint for your ruffianly gallant never appears to accurately trust so arrange it as you will sir said nigel but let me hear at least something of the conditions of the unhappy district into which with other wretches i am compelled to retreat why my lord replied the templar our neighbouring state of alsatia which the law calls the sanctuary of white friars has had its mutations and revolutions like greater kingdoms and being in some sort a lawless arbitrary government it follows of course that these have been more frequent than our own better regulated commonwealth of the templars that of gray's inn and other similar associations have had the fortune to witness our traditions and records speak of twenty revolutions within the last twelve years in which the aforesaid state has repeatedly changed from absolute despotism to republicanism not forgetting the intermediate stages of oligarchy limited monarchy and even gynocracy for i myself remember alsatia governed for nearly nine months by an old fishwoman i hen it fell upon the dominion of a broken attorney who was dethroned by a reformando reformado captain who proving tyrannical was deposed by a hedge parson who was succeeded upon resignation of his power by duke jacob hildebrand of that name the first whom heaven long preserved and is this potentate's government said lord glenvarlock forcing himself to take some interest in the conversation of a despotic character pardon me my lord said the templar this said sovereign is too wise to incur like many of his predecessors the odium of wielding so important an authority by his own sole will he has established a council of state who regularly meet for their morning's draft at seven o'clock convene a second time at eleven for their anti-meridian or wet and assembling in solemn conclave at the hour of two in the afternoon for the purpose of consulting for the good of the commonwealth are so prodigal of their labour in the service of the state that they seldom separate before midnight into this worthy senate composed partly of duke hildebrand's predecessors in this high office whom he has associated with him to prevent the envy attending sovereign and sole authority i must presently introduce your lordship that they may admit you to the amenities of the friars and assign you a place of residence does their authority extend to such regulation said lord glenvarlock the council accounted a main point to their privileges my lord answered lowestoff 
and in fact it is one of the most powerful means by which they support their authority for when duke ildebrad and this senate find a toppling householder in the friars becomes discontented and factious it is but assigning him for a lodger some fat bankrupt or new lessedender whose circumstances require refuge and whose purse can pay for it and the malcontent becomes as tractable as a lamb as for the poor refugees they let them shift as they can but the registration of their names in the duke's entry book and the payment of garnish conforming to their circumstances is never dispensed with and the friars would be a very unsafe residence for the stranger who should dispute these points of jurisdiction well master lowstuff said lord Cadvarlock, i must be controlled by the circumstances which dictate to me this state of concealment of course i am desirous not to betray my name and rank it would be highly advisable my lord said lowstuff and is a case thus provided for in the statutes of the republic or monarchy or whatsoever you call it he who desires that no question shall be asked him concerning his name cause of refuge and the like may escape the usual interrogations upon payment of double the garnish otherwise belonging to his condition complying with this essential stipulation your lordship may register yourself as king of bantam if you will for not a question will be asked of you but here comes our scout with news of peace and tranquillity now i will go with your lordship myself and present you to the council of alsatia with all the influence which i have over them as an office-bearer in the temple which is not slight for they have come halting off upon all occasions when we have taken part against them and that they well know the time is propitious for as the council is now met in alsatia so the temple walks are quiet now my lord throw your cloak about you to hide your present exterior you shall give it to the boy at the foot of the stairs that go down to the sanctuary and as the ballad says that queen eleanor sunk at charing cross and rose at queen hythe so you shall sink a nobleman in the temple gardens and rise in alsatian at white friars they went out accordingly attended by the little scout traversed the gardens descended the stairs and at the bottom the young templar exclaimed and now let us sing with ovid in noah vert animus mutatis dicere formas off off ye lendings he continued in the same vein via the curtain that shouted borgia but how now my lord he continued when he observed lord glenvarlock was really distressed at the degrading change in his situation i trust you are not offended at my rattling folly i would but reconcile you to your present circumstances and give you the tone of this strange place come cheer up i trust it will only be your residence for a very few days nigel was only able to press his hand and reply in a whisper i am sensible of your kindness i know i must drink the cup which my own folly has filled for me pardon me that at the first taste i feel its bitterness reginald lowstoff was bustingly officious and good-natured but used to live a scrambling rakish course of life himself he had not the least idea of the extent of lord glenvarlock's mental sufferings and thought of his temporary concealment as if it were merely the trick of a wanton boy who plays at hide-and-seek with his tutor with the appearance of the place too he was familiar but on his companion it produced a deep sensation the ancient sanctuary at whitefriars lay considerably lower than the elevated terraces and gardens of the temple and was therefore generally involved in the damps and fogs arising from the tins the brick buildings by which it was occupied crowded closely on each other 
for in a place so rarely privileged every foot of ground was valuable but erected in many cases by persons whose funds were inadequate to their speculations the houses were generally insufficient and exhibited the lamentable signs of having become ruinous while they were yet new the wailing of children the scolding of their mothers the miserable exhibition of ragged linens hung from the windows to dry spoke the wants and distresses of the wretched inhabitants while the sounds of complaint were mocked and overwhelmed in the riotous shouts oaths profane songs and boisterous laughter that issued from the ale-houses and taverns which as the signs indicated were equal in number to all the other houses and that the full character of the place might be evident several faded tinselled and painted females looked boldly at the strangers from their open lattices or more modestly seemed busied with the cracked flower-pots filled with mignonette and rosemary which were disposed in front of the windows to the great risk of the passengers send me reducto venice said the templar pointing to one of these nymphs who seemed afraid of observation and partly concealed herself behind the casement as she chirped to a miserable blackbird the tenant of a wicker prison which hung outside on the black brick wall i know the face of yonder waste potier continued the guide and i could wager a rose noble from the posture she stands in that she has clean headgear and a soiled night rail but here come two of the male inhabitants smoking like moving volcanoes these are roaring blades whom nicotia and trinidado serve i dare swear in lieu of beef and pudding for be it known to you my lord that the king's counterblast against the indian weed will no more pass current in alsatia than will his writ of capius as he spoke the two smokers approached shaggy uncombed ruffians whose enormous moustaches were turned back over their ears and mingled with the wild elf locks of their hair much of which was seen under the old beavers which they wore aside upon their heads while some straggling portion escaped through the rents of the hats aforesaid their tarnished plush jerkins large slops or trunk breeches their broad greasy shoulder-belts and discoloured scarfs and above all the ostentatious manner in which the one wore a broadsword and the other an extravagantly long rapier and poniard marked the true alsatian bully then and for a hundred years afterwards a well-known character tour out said the one ruffian to the other tour de bien mort wiring at the gentry cove look sharp see how the girl is coquetting with the strange gallants i smell a spy replied the other looking at nigel chalk him across the peepers with your cheery slash him over the eyes with your dagger being a vast being a vast replied his companion yon other is rattling reginald rostoff of the temple i know him he is a good boy and free of the province so saying and enveloping themselves in another thick cloud of smoke they went on without farther greeting grasso in Ari, said the templar you hear what a character the impudent knave gives me but so it serves your lordship's turn i care not and now let me ask your lordship what name you will assume for we are near the ducal palace of duke hildebrand i will be called graham said nigel it was my mother's name grime repeated the templar will suit alsatia well enough both a grim and grimy place of refuge i said graham sir not grime said nigel something shortly and laying an emphasis on the vowel for few scotsmen understood raillery upon the subject of their names i beg pardon my lord answered the undisconcerted punster but graham will suit the circumstance too it signifies tribulation in the high dutch and your lordship must be considered as a man under trouble nigel laughed at the pertinacity of the templar 
who proceeding to point out a sign representing a belief to represent a dog attacking a bull and running at his head in the true scientific style of onset there said he doth faithful duke hildebrand yield forth laws as well as ale and strong waters to his faithful alsatians being a determined champion of paris garden he has chosen a sign corresponding to his habits and he deals in giving drink to the thirsty that he himself may drink without paying and receive pay for what is drunken by others let us enter the ever open gate of the second exilus as they spoke they entered the dilapidated tavern which was nevertheless more ample in dimensions and less ruinous than many houses in the same evil neighbourhood two or three haggard ragged drawers ran to and fro whose looks like those of owls seemed only adapted for midnight when other creatures sleep and do by day seem bleared stupid and only half awake guided by one of these blinking ganymedes they entered a room where the feeble rays of the sun were almost wholly eclipsed by volumes of tobacco smoke rolled from the tubes of the company while out of the cloudy sanctuary arose the old chant of old sir simon the king and old sir simon the king with his malmsey nose and his ale-dropped hose and sing they ding-a-ding-ding duke hildebrand himself condescended to chant this ditty to his loving subjects was a monstrously fat old man with only one eye and a nose which bore evidence to the frequency strength and depth of his potations he wore a murray-coloured plush jerkin stained with the overflowings of the tankard and much the worse for wear and unbuttoned at bottom for the ease of his enormous paunch behind him lay a favourite bulldog whose round head and single black glancing eye as well as the creature's great corpulence gave it a burlesque resemblance to its master the well-beloved counsellors who surrounded the ducal throne incensed it with tobacco pledged its occupier in thick clammy ale and echoed back his choral songs were satraps worthy of such a soldan the buff jerkin broad belt and long sword of one showed him to be a low country soldier whose look of scowling importance and drunken impudence were designed to sustain his title to call himself a roving blade it seemed to nigel that he had seen this fellow somewhere or other a hedge parson or buckle beggar as that order of priesthood has been irreverently termed sat on the duke's left and was easily distinguished by his torn band flapped hat and the remnants of a rusty cassock beside the parson sat a most wretched and meagre-looking old man with a threadbare hood of coarse scurzy upon his head and buttoned about his neck while his pinched features like those of old daniel were illuminated by an eye through the last look of dotage still cunning and sly on his left was placed a broken attorney who for some malpractices had been struck from the roll of practitioners and who had nothing left of his profession except its roguery one or two persons of less figure amongst whom there was one face which like that of the soldier seemed not unknown to nigel though he could not recollect where he had seen it completed the council board of jacob duke hildebrand the strangers had full time to observe all this for his grace the duke whether irresistibly carried on by the full tide of harmony or whether to impress the strangers with a proper idea of his consequence chose to sing his ditty to an end before addressing them though during the whole time he closely scrutinized them with his single optic when duke hildebrand had ended his song he informed his peers that a worthy officer of the temple attended them and commanded the captain and parson to abandon their easy chairs in behalf of the two strangers whom he placed on his right and left hand the worthy representative of the army and the church of alsatia went to place themselves on a crazy form at the bottom of the table which ill calculated to sustain men of such weight 
gave way under them and the man of the sword and man of the gown were rolled over each other on the floor amidst the exulting shouts of the company they arose in wrath contending which should vent his displeasure in the loudest and deepest oaths a strife in which the parson's superior acquaintance with theology enabled him greatly to excel the captain and were at length with difficulty tranquillized by the arrival of the alarmed waiters with more stable chairs by a long draught of the cooling tankard when this commotion was appeased and the strangers courteously accommodated with flagons after the fashion of the others present the duke drank prosperity to the temple in the most gracious manner together with a cup of welcome to master reginald lowestoff and this courtesy having been thankfully accepted the party honoured prayed permission to call for a gallon of rhenish over which he proposed to open his business the mention of a liquor so superior to their usual potations had an instant and most favourable effect upon the little senate and its immediate appearance might be said to secure a favourable reception of master lowestoff's proposition which after a round or two had circulated he explained to be the admission of his friend master nigel graham to the benefit of the sanctuary and other immunities of alsatia in the character of a grand compounder for so were those termed who paid a double fee at their matriculation in order to avoid laying before the senate the peculiar circumstances which compelled them to take refuge there the worthy duke heard the proposition with glee which glittered in his single eye and no wonder as it was a rare occurrence and of peculiar advantage to his private revenue accordingly he commanded his ducal register to be brought him a huge book secured with brass clasp like a merchant's ledger and whose leaves stained with wine and slabbered with tobacco juice bore the names probably of as many rogues as are to be found in the calendar of newgate nigel was then directed to lay down two nobles as his ransom and to claim privilege by reciting the following doggerel verses which were dictated to him by the duke your suppliant by name nigel graham in fear of mishap from a shoulder tap and dreading a claw from the talons of law that are sharper than briars his freedom to sue and rescue by you through weapon and wit from warrant and writ from bailiff's hand from tipstaff's wand is come hither to whitefriars as duke hildebrand with a tremulous hand began to make the entry and had already with superfluous generosity spelled nigel with two g's instead of one he was interrupted by the parson this curious register is still in existence being in possession of that eminent antiquary dr dry as dust who liberally offered the author permission to have the autograph of duke hildebrand engraved as an illustration of this passage unhappily being rigorous as ritson himself in adhering to the very letter of his copy the worthy doctor clogged his munificence with the condition that we should adopt the duke's orthography and entitle the work the fortunes of niggle with which stipulation we did not think it necessary to comply this reverend gentleman had been whispering for a minute or two not with the captain but with that other individual who dwelt imperfectly as we have already mentioned in nigel's memory and being perhaps still something malcontent on account of the late accident he now requested to be heard before the registration took place the person he said who hath now had the assurance to propose himself as a candidate for the privileges and immunities of this honourable society is in plain terms a beggarly scot and we have enough of these locusts in london already if we admit such palmer worms and caterpillars to the sanctuary we shall soon have the whole nation we are not entitled to inquire said duke hildebrand whether he be scot or french or english seeing he has honourably laid down his garnish he is entitled to our protection word of denial 
most sovereign duke replied the parson i ask him no questions his speech betrayeth him he is a galilean and his garnish is forfeited for his assurance in coming with within this our realm and i call on you sir duke to put the laws in force against him the templar here arose and was about to interrupt the deliberations of the court when the duke gravely assured him that he should be heard in behalf of his friends so soon as the council had finished their deliberations the attorney next rose and intimating that he was to speak to the point of law said it was easy to be seen that this gentleman did not come here in any civil case and that he believed it to be the story they had already heard of concerning a blow given within the verge of the park that the sanctuary would not bear out the offender in such case and that the queer old chief would send down a broom which would sweep the streets of alsatia from the strand to the stairs and it was even policy to think what evil might come to their republic by sheltering an alien in such circumstances the captain who had sat impatiently while these opinions were expressed now sprung in his feet with the vehemence of a cork bouncing from a bottle of brisk beer and turning up his moustaches with a martial air cast a glance of contempt on the lawyer and churchman while he thus expressed his opinion most noble duke hildebrand when i hear such base skeltering co-sistral propositions come from the counsellors of your grace and when i remember the huffs the muns and the titiratus by whom your grace's ancestors and predecessors were advised on such occasions i begin to think the spirit of action is as dead in alsatia as in my old granam and yet who thinks so thinks a lie since i will find as many roaring boys in the fires as shall keep the liberties against all the scavengers of westminster and if we should be overborne for a turn death and darkness have we not time to send the gentleman off by water either to paris garden or to the bank's side and if he is a gallant of true breed will he not make us full amends for all the trouble we have let other societies exist by the law i say that we brisk boys of the fleet live in spite of it and thrive best when we are in right opposition to sign and seal writ and warrant sergeant and tipstaff catchpole and bum bailey the speech was followed by a murmur of approbation and low stuff striking in before the favourable sound had subsided reminded the duke and his council how much the security of their state depended upon the amity of the templars who by closing their gates could at pleasure shut against the alsatians the communication betwixt the friars and the temple and that as they conducted themselves on this occasion so would they secure or lose the benefit of his interest with his own body which they knew not to be inconsiderable and in respect of my friend being a scotsman and ailing as has been observed by the reverend divine and learned lawyer you are to consider said lowestoff for what he is pursued hither why for giving the bastinado not to an englishman but to one of his own countrymen and for my own simple part he continued touching lord glenvarlock at the same time to make him understand he spoke but in jest if all the scots in london were to fight a welsh main and kill each other to a man the survivor would in my humble opinion be entitled to our gratitude as having done a most acceptable service to poor old england a shout of laughter and applause followed this ingenious apology for the client state of alienage and the templar followed up his plea with the following pithy proposition i know well he said it is the custom of the fathers of this old and honourable republic ripely and well to consider all these proceedings over a proper allowance of liquor and far be it from me to propose the breach of so laudable a custom or to pretend that such an affair as the present can be well and constitutionally considered during the discussion of a pitiful gallon of rhenish but as it is the same to this honourable conclave whether they drink first and determine afterwards or whether they determine first and drink afterwards 
i propose your grace with the advice of your wise and potent senators shall pass your edict granting to mine honourable friend the immunities of the place and assigning him a lodging according to your wise forms to which he will presently retire being somewhat spent with this day's actions whereupon i will presently order you a rundlet of rhenish with a corresponding quantity of meat stuns and pickled herrings to make you all as glorious as georgia green this overture was received with a general shout of applause which altogether drowned the voice of the dissidents if any there were amongst the alsatian senate who could have resisted a proposal so popular the words of kind heart noble gentleman generous gallant flew from mouth to mouth the inscription of the petitioner's name in the great book was hastily completed and the oath administered to him by the worthy doge like the laws of the twelve tables of the ancient cambro britons and other primitive nations it was couched in poetry and ran as follows by spigot and barrel by bilbo and buff thou art sworn to the quarrel of the blades of the huff for whitefriars and its claims to be champion or martyr and to fight for its dames like a knight of the garter nigel felt and indeed exhibited some disgust at this memory but the templar reminding him that he was too far advanced to draw back he repeated the words or rather assented as they were repeated by duke hildebrand who concluded the ceremony by allowing him the privilege of sanctuary in the following form of prescriptive doggerel from the touch of the tip from the blight of the warrant from the watchman who skipped on the harmonbeck's errand from the bailiff's cramped speech that makes man a thrall i charm thee from each and i charm thee from all thy freedom's complete as a blade of the huff to be cheated and cheat to be cuffed and to cuff to stride swear and swagger to drink till you stagger to stare and to stab and to brandish your dagger in the cause of your drab to walk woolward in winter drink brandy and smoke and grow fresco in summer for want of a cloak to eke out your living by the wag of your elbow by fulham and gourd and by blaring of bilbo to live by your shifts and to swear by your honour are the freedom and gifts of which i am the donor of the cant words used in this inauguratory oration some are obvious in their meaning others as harmon beck constable and the like derive their source from that ancient piece of lexicography the slang dictionary this homily being performed a dispute arose concerning the special residence to be assigned the new brother of the sanctuary for as the alsatians held it a maxim in their commonwealth that asses milk fattens there was usually a competition among the inhabitants which should have the managing as it was termed of a new member of the society the hector who had spoken so warmly and critically in nigel's behalf stood out now chivalrously in behalf of a certain blows cylinder or bond strops who had it seems a room to hire once the occasional residence of slicing dick of paddington who lately suffered at tyburn and whose untimely exit had been hitherto mourned by the damsel in solitary widowhood after the fashion of the turtle dove the captain's interest was however overruled on behalf of the old gentleman in the curzyhood who was believed even at this extreme age to understand the plucking of a pigeon as well or better than any man in alsatia this venerable personage was an usurer of notoriety called trap boys and had very lately done the state considerable service in advancing a subsidy necessary to secure a fresh importation of liquors to the duke's cellars the wine merchant at the vintry being scrupulous to deal with so great a man for anything but ready money when therefore the old gentleman arose and with much coughing reminded the duke that he had a poor apartment to let the claims of all others were set aside and nigel was assigned to trap boys as his guest no sooner was this arrangement made than lord glenvarlock expressed to low stuff his impatience to leave this discreditable assembly 
and took his leave with a careless haste which but for the rundlet of rhenish wine that had entered just as he left the apartment might have been taken in bad part the young templar accompanied his friend to the house of the old usurer with a road to which he and some other youngsters about the temple were even but too well acquainted on the way he assured lord glenvarlock that he was going to the only clean house in whitefriars a property which it owed solely to the exertions of the old man's only daughter an elderly damsel ugly enough to frighten sin yet likely to be wealthy enough to tempt a puritan as soon as the devil had got her old dad for his due as lowstaff spoke thus they knocked at the door of the house and the sour stern countenance of the theme by whom it was opened fully confirmed all that the templar had said of the hostess she heard with an ungracious and discontented air the young templar's information that the gentleman his companion was to be her father's lodger muttered something about the trouble it was likely to occasion but ended by showing the stranger's apartment which was better than could have been augured by the general appearance of the place and much larger in extent than that which he occupied at paul's wharf though inferior to it in neatness lowstuff having thus seen his friend fairly installed in his new apartment and having obtained for him a note of the rate at which he could be accommodated with victuals from a neighbouring cook's shop now took his leave offering at the same time to send the whole or any part of lord glenvarlock's baggage from his former place of residence to his new lodging nigel mentioned so few articles that the templar could not help observing that his lordship it would seem did not intend to enjoy his new privileges long they are too little suited to my habits and tastes that i should do so replied lord glenvarlock you may change your opinion to-morrow said lowstoffs and so i wish you a good evening to-morrow i will visit you betimes the morning came but instead of the templar it brought only a letter from him the epistle stated that lowstoffs visit to alsatia had drawn down the animadversions of some crabbed old pantaloons among the benches and that he judged it wise not to come hither at present for fear of attracting too much attention to lord glenvarlock's place of residence he stated that he had taken measures for the safety of his luggage and would send him by a safe hand his money casket and what articles he wanted then followed some sage advices dictated by lowstuff's acquaintance with alsatia and its manners he advised him to keep the usurer in the most absolute uncertainty concerning the state of his funds never to throw a main with the captain who was in the habit of playing dry-fisted and paying his losses with three vows and finally to be aware of duke hildebrand who was as sharp he said as a needle though he had no more eyes than are possessed by that necessary implement of female industry End of chapter seventeen